Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, All Good Points. I'm your host, Ricky Gray Jr., and we're going to switch it up this week. No props, no flops. Instead, I'm going to look at each division in the NFL and pick who I think is going to come out on top and why. Moving on down to Tampa, Mr. Shagadelic Baby seems to have lost his mojo. Will he get it back, or is Fitzmagic really over? Last but not least, the picks of the week and some fantasy news. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. First things first, it's time to predict my division winners. Starting in the AFC East, I have to go with the Patriots. And although the Pats have had some struggles, we can't act like they haven't been here before. Brady hit Cordero Patterson on a deep ball last week, so it seems he's starting to find his weapons considering they demolished Miami on Saturday. And above all, it's the damn Patriots, right? Who else is going to give them any trouble? The Dolphins? No. Come on, let's be serious for a second, okay? The Patriots are going to win that division. They're going to hold probably the majority of uh, the win probability in the AFC as far as like AFC championships go and stuff like that. I still have to say the Patriots, even though I'm riding high on the Chiefs right now to win the whole thing, I can't really sit there until they're eliminated, like until the moment that Tom Brady is not going to step out on the field in the playoffs. I have to stick with the Patriots just because they are the Patriots. Moving on to the NFC East. This one might be a long shot since they're sitting at third right now, but I really think the Eagles could come back and claim that division. Now, you've got the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins in there, and the only other competition-based team I see in that division is the Redskins. Now, Carson is probably going to get back into the swing of things here pretty soon. Like, he's still kind of tender. You know, after that injury, he's still kind of new and a little bit green, but I do expect uh, Carson to come back and absolutely handle that team, get them into the top top dog position in the NFC East. Now we're going to move on to the AFC North, which has the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers. Now, normally the top dog in the AFC North is the Steelers. As the standings sit right now, it's the Bengals. Now, Don't worry about the Bengals. They aren't going to be holding on to that for too long. Honestly, I think the Ravens will actually take that division. And I know that kind of sounds a little bit strange because we haven't talked about the Ravens being a really good team in a long time. But I do think that the Ravens have a lot of weapons this year and they're playing better on defense. That Alex Collins kid is crazy, crazy good. So I do see the Ravens actually beating out the Steelers for the top position in the AFC North. Now, for the NFC North, you got the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions. Can the Bears actually hold on to the NFC North? The short answer is no. The long answer is they're going to lose to the division rival Packers. Um, Again, the next time they play, they're going to lose to them. And I actually think that they're going to lose both of the games to Minnesota, which would drop them down. And everybody's like iffy on Minnesota right now. Don't be too iffy on it. They went. They started off two and two last year. They're one two and one this year. Give them some time. Let's let's kind of settle down here and appreciate the team that we know is a great team. Because what's going to end up happening is that division is going to still be split between the Packers and the Vikings. And although I can't pick like a definitive winner in that sense, I still have to go with those top two. 
I think the Packers will actually like edge out that division. And I feel like the Vikings will like push for a wild card spot in the playoffs. Now, if the Vikings lose this week and the Packers win, then it's going to really fall all into Aaron Rodgers' hands. Like, depending on how healthy he is, depending on what he can do for the rest of the year, it's going to depend on that. So we can't really get too hung up in well, the the Packers aren't playing that great and the Vikings aren't playing that great. Like, it's very early in the season. Let's give both of those teams some time because at the end of the day, those two teams are going to be duking it out. Like, those are the two teams in the NFC North that have stronghold that division for a very, very long time. Uh, moving on to the AFC South, you have the, ta- uh, sorry, the Titans, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Colts. This might seem easy to say that the Jags will like, you know, pull away and be the clear leader of the division. I don't really think that's what's going to happen. I actually think that the Tennessee Titans are going to take this uh, this division, probably go in and out of the playoffs. But honestly, I see them making a very deep playoff push next year. Corey Davis and Marcus Mariota seem to be building a lot of confidence together. And I think after a year of an actual healthy Mariota, he's going to start to come into his own. Uh, let's drop down to the NFC South, where there's the Saints, the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Falcons. You're going to be looking at a jumble of spots in this division. The Bucks are going to be finishing last, right? Uh, the Falcons will be finishing second, Panthers third, and the Saints will stay at number one. That part isn't going to change. They're not going to take another L from Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is doing what Tampa Bay does right now. We're seeing what Tampa Bay is right now, right? And how I see it, the Saints are going to have a two-game two, uh, two game break from any other team in that division. That's the way that I see the NFC South going. Uh, moving on to the AFC West, you have the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Honestly, in this division, I don't see a change happening from the way it looks right now. Like, maybe the Chargers edge out the Broncos, but I don't believe any of those teams are a actual threat to the Chiefs. Keenum is struggling in Denver. Phillip is being classic, classic Phillip. Um... The Raiders are using this year as a rebuild year, which is exactly what they said. Um, So the reason why the Chiefs are going to take that division is because of pure dominance, not just dominance from, you know, Patrick Mayhome side of things, but it's it's dominance from what the Chiefs have done year after year, year after year in that particular division. So when you think about it, when have the Chiefs really been rivaled? It's been a long time when it comes to that division. You know, like prime Von Miller was when the Broncos were really heading up the charge, you know, when Peyton was still there and stuff like that. But now that division is solely all about the Chiefs. So don't look for any change there. The Chiefs are going to hold on to it. That's not changing. You know, you can't stop Mahomes. You can't stop Tyreek Hill. And you can't stop Kareem Hunt. You can't stop Travis Kelsey. The defense is actually doing their job. Like, you know, maybe they aren't an outstanding defense or anything like that. But they're doing their job. And that's all you really need to ask for when you have an offense that is that high-powered. It's kind of like I see the Chiefs as the Rams, like the Rams in the NFC is what the Chiefs are in the AFC, like such a high powered offense. Now the Rams defense is better, but at the end of the day, who's really messing with the Rams in the NFC West? Nobody, you know, and that's the same thing for the AFC West. Nobody's messing with the Chiefs. Now we're going to move down to the NFC West where it's the Rams, the Hawks, the Niners and the Cardinals. Now, before Jimmy Garoppolo went down, I would have said that this division might have some 
there might be some competition there between Jimmy Garoppolo and his 49ers and then Jared Goff and his Rams. But now it's clear that nobody's going to be getting in the Rams way. Like the Rams are about to play Seattle. The Rams are going to kill Seattle. So you can't really get in the way of that offense and that defense that although, you know, it was a score fest down in Minnesota, the Rams don't usually surrender that many points. But at the end of the day, in the NFC West, it's got to be the Rams. Now, what we're going to do is take a trip down to Tampa Bay, where Fitzmagic seems to have lost all of his magic. By the second half, Dirk Cutter pulled Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the game and sent in Jameis Winston. If you ever have any doubts about my predictions, go back to episode one, where I said regardless of how well Ryan Fitzpatrick plays, Jameis Winston will take the job back once he serves his suspension. While Ryan was out there, though, he went 9 for 18, 126 yards, and one interception. He was pulled with a 49.8 quarterback rating. That's just awful. But like I said before, we knew that this Ryan Fitzpatrick was was on his way. Not to take anything away from the Bears defense because they have a great defense, but I think Fitz got nervous from Winston breathing on his neck. Like Winston was sitting there waiting, just waiting in the shadows like, give me a chance, give me a chance. And all that happened was Ryan Fitzpatrick crumbled. Cutter went on to say that after the bye week, Winston will be back to the starting quarterback spot. What I honestly think that Fitzpatrick needs is a place that will declare him a starter right from the beginning. Like without any kind of, you know, quarterback competition or anything like that. I think Ryan needs to go to a place where they say, look, you're the starter and that's it. Maybe San Francisco, like while Jimmy's gone. San Francisco could use a quarterback, but since they love CJ, they're probably going to stick with him. But Ryan's mojo is gone. The magic is all out of the bag. So the only real question is what's left. Like, what's what's the next move for Ryan Fitzpatrick after this? After a game where everyone was thinking that, like, you were this top-tier quarterback, like this this brand-new Ryan Fitzpatrick. This guy was, he must have been doing work in the offseason. He must have been, you know, focusing on learning different different schemes and things like that and building himself up as a quarterback and being able to read defenses and staying more composed. And then, just then, there's a threat. You know, there's a, there's a threat to his starting spot, and he crumbles. And, and once he crumbles... He crumbles bad, like to where he doesn't even look like he should be out there. You know, so the the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we saw a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago is gone. That Ryan's gone because this new kind of insecure Ryan Fitzpatrick shows up where he's not wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothes at the end of the game because he's all hyped that he won. And he did a great job in those first four games. He did great, right? But are the first three games. He did great. But at the end of the day, we kind of all knew, including myself, that this Ryan Fitzpatrick would surface. He would have these moments of being so bewildered by different defensive packages and another quarterback breathing down on his neck waiting for a chance that he would crumble. And to be fair, that's exactly what happened. Like there isn't there isn't like a blurred line here of what happened. It's it's clear that Ryan is not a starting quarterback. He is a journeyman. He will bounce between different teams for the rest of his career or whenever he decides to call it. You know, he's going to he's going to continue to bounce between teams that need fill-in quarterbacks until their guy gets back. Now, 
honestly, I don't think Jameis Winston is that much better of a quarterback. I really don't. And I mean, you guys have heard me say that before. All he does is try to look for escape routes to run. Like, Jameis Winston isn't necessarily a great quarterback or even a good quarterback, but that's the Tampa Bay quarterback. That's the guy that they invested all of their chips in and said, this is the guy that's going to be our franchise quarterback. We're going to let him run the show. When what should have happened with how well Ryan was playing, they should have kept reinserting the fact that you're our starting quarterback. We want you to play. You've got us these wins. Jameis couldn't have got us these wins. So the, yeah, the guy that's, you know, screaming, he wants to eat a W and licking his fingers and stuff like that. That's not really the guy that you want out there trying to audible and stuff like that. I love high energy players. I really do. But Jameis isn't a quarterback. Jameis is like a hype man. That's all he is, you know, whereas you had Ryan Fitzpatrick that was putting up these stellar, stellar performances. But the organization must have known that the second that Jameis got introduced back into the picture, Ryan was going to have some issues. Ryan was going to have a hard time focusing on just the game instead of thinking like, this guy is going to take my spot. They're going to bench me in a couple of days, blah, blah, blah. And exactly what happened is they benched him and didn't even wait for the game to be over. They just benched him at halftime and said, look, dude, you're not coming back out there. So if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're in this very, very weird spot of, well, what am I supposed to do now? Now, of course, there's teams across the league that could use a journeyman quarterback just for a little bit of time. You know, I kind of thought that the Cardinals would lead that way, but it seems like they really like Rosen. So they're going to stick with Rosen. And now Sam Bradford isn't even a second stringer. He's a third stringer. So the Sam Bradford that killed the Saints two years ago when he was playing on the on the Vikings, that that Sam Bradford is gone. So just get ready to hear about Sam Bradford's retirement. Right. But you got. You got Rosen over there playing for the Cardinals, so Fitzpatrick can't go there. They in down in Miami, you know, they're really hung up on Ryan Tannehill, and I think Ryan Tannehill's a pretty good quarterback, but maybe Fitzpatrick would be a good fit there. Jacksonville loves Blake Bortles, even though like Blake hasn't done anything like quarterback wise to show me that he's gonna be a great quarterback one day. So like that's a spot for Ryan to kind of go. But I kind of thought he found his fit with Tampa Bay. And now it even seems like I'm wrong, even though I knew that Ryan could play that poorly. Like I knew from watching him play for the Jets that he can have a very stellar game and then he can have a game where he throws five interceptions. Like I've, I've seen that. So I knew it was going to happen, but it kind of looked like they were really into the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick mode. Like, you know, even Dirk Cutter was talking about the whole Fitz magic thing and stuff like that. And now they abandoned him. And it's it's interesting because Ryan has gone through that time and time again in the league is people abandoning him and kind of just not believing in him anymore. And when he makes one mistake, like there's guys that have had bad games, like you've got quarterbacks that have had bad games and the next week they're right back out there starting. But Ryan has one bad game where he can't figure out anything. He can't put the pieces together and they bench him. So there goes his confidence, right? Like there's there's the end of his confidence because they aren't even giving him a chance to redeem himself next week or anything like that, which sucks because if you are Ryan or if you like watching Ryan play, you kind of want to see a team just give him a chance to go out there and do his thing regardless of a bad game. You know, one bad game, two bad games. Hey, look, every quarterback has a couple of bad games. So 
hopefully, hopefully, and this is really honestly my hope for Ryan Fitzpatrick, is that one team decides to take a chance on him and just just let him go. Let him go and let him do what he needs to do. Let him try. Let him fail because that's one of one of the biggest parts of growing as a quarterback is failing. Like you have to have bad games in order to focus on your next game and having a better game and building on yourself as a player. So that's really what I hope for Ryan. Maybe a team will take a chance on him or something like that. But we're going to finish our episode with some spicy, spicy, hot fantasy news. And as always, my picks of the week. All right, so first up, we're going to do our week four fantasy leaders. Coming in at number one, you had Mitchell Trubisky. Put up 43.5 points. He threw for 354 yards and six touchdowns. Now, unfortunately, he's on a bye week this week, so make sure you pick somebody up to fill that role. But good on Mitchell Trubisky for actually getting it going and having a stellar, stellar game against Tampa Bay. Like this kid, he went off, you know, and I like seeing that, especially for him being such a young quarterback. I really want to want to see him put up those same numbers week after week. Obviously, you can't throw six touchdowns every single time, but the yards and the game management that he had is really something that I want to see out of Mitchell. Next up, you got Alvin Kamara. He's probably the most consistent fantasy back that there is. He put up three touchdowns, 134 yards rushing, and he tacked on 47 receiving yards. You have to start this guy every week because he's averaging 34 points a game through the first four weeks. 34 points a game. That's huge. You can win a game just based off of the points that Alvin Kamara puts up. Next up, you got Jared Goff. He put up a solid 39 points. This is a quarterback with a plethora of weapons. He does not run out of people to throw to. He threw to Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. He's got so many weapons. He He's just a bomb. Like this guy, his he's laser focused. He knows where to put the ball. He's making good throws, competent throws, right? He knows when to throw it away. So you don't really have to worry about a crazy interception ratio with Jared Goff. And on top of all of that, he's making plays down the field consistently because he has receivers that can burn people. And that brings up our last one, Cooper Cup put up 37.2 points. Goff loves cup on mismatches. And luckily for Cooper, a lot of times defenses can't cover him because they don't know whether to put a safety on him or a linebacker on him, or maybe they need to bring a nickel corner in. But if they bring a nickel corner in, then they have to worry about Todd Gurley. So a lot of times they leave a linebacker on him just for a second, or they'll drop a safety down. But in those little empty spaces that Cooper can generate, all of this um all of this spacing and this distance between who's covering him Jared Goff loves throwing to him so you have to start him in probably a flex position that's the best spot for him so now we're going to talk about some sleepers you guys need to start eyeing Nick Chubb this kid broke off touchdown runs of 63 and 41 yards Carlos Hyde is still the feature back but if he starts to slip up Chubb is going to step right in that role. Duke Johnson Jr. is used as like a scat back, like for passes on the outside and stuff. But on those down and, you know, third and ones and third and goal line and things like that, they're going to bring in Nick Chubb because he's a heavy hitting back that can just bust through holes. So keep eyeing Nick Chubb. Make sure you pay attention to him. See how many touches he gets throughout this week. Maybe start picking him up, leaving him on your bench until you feel comfortable starting him. Uh, Secondly, the Broncos defense and special teams. Now, the reason that I bring this up is strictly off of the matchup against the Jets. Like, 
the Jets have a very lackluster offense, and the Broncos' defense and special teams actually might be able to get you some points, maybe get you over 10, maybe get you into like the 12 or 13 area. I'm not thinking that they're going to put like an 18-point game up or anything like that, but against the Jets, I don't think you're going to be working your, your way down into like the 5-4-3-2-1 area on points, right? Um, next up, you got Rhett Ellison. If you need a tight end to fill the bye week, Rhett Ellison might be the band-aid that you want. Evan Ingram's going to be missing one more week and Rhett is pretty much a red zone threat. He hasn't really been getting a whole lot of attention, but with Evan Ingram being out and Eli kind of looking for the tight end to fill up that role and stuff like that, maybe Rhett Ellison will get a little bit more attention. Last but not least, you got TJ Yeldon. He's going to be seeing a lot of action since Fortnite's hamstring, Fortnite's, Fournette's hamstring is giving him some issues. TJ could really be a great addition to your lineup, mainly because he's got this weird kind of, not weird, I guess, but a scat back kind of role, but he does run really well out of the backfield. The good thing is they hit him on a lot of pass plays and stuff like that. So probably look to put uh, put TJ uh, yelled in in your lineup. Now those were your sleepers of the week. Now it's time to make some picks. All right. So since I'm releasing this on Friday, I won't pick the Thursday game. I'm just going to go on record as saying the Patriots are going to win. Next up, Titans versus Bills. I got to take the Titans in that. Falcons over Steelers. Broncos over the Jets. Jaguars over the Chiefs. Packers over the Lions. Ravens over the Browns. Panthers over the Giants. Bengals over the Dolphins. Raiders, actually, over the Chargers. 49ers over the Cardinals. I'm taking the Vikings over the Eagles. Rams over the Seahawks. Texans over the Cowboys. And Redskins over the Saints as my upset. Now, the last one, Redskins over the Saints. I know, I, I preach that the Saints are crazy, crazy good all the time, but I have a little bit of belief in the Redskins. I actually think they can get the job done and get a win. I, it's kind of crazy. I get it. But I'm going to go with the Redskins. Taking the Texans over the Cowboys. The Texans just have more weapons, and I feel like the Texans are a lot more focused than the Cowboys are. As long as they can stop Zeke, I think they'll be okay. Rams over the Seahawks. That's obvious. It's it's easily the Rams, right? Vikings over the Eagles. I think the Vikings actually get their act together this week and beat the Eagles as like the rematch game. And this is the week that I think the Vikings finally kick it into gear. 49ers over the Cardinals. The only reason I say that is because the Cardinals, they still haven't figured out what they're going to be doing on offense or defense. So I got to take the 49ers because even without Jimmy Garoppolo, they're still playing well. I think they're still playing as a team. Raiders over the Chargers, kind of the same reason I took the 49ers over the Cardinals. I think the Raiders actually figured something out while they were playing the Browns. Like, they figured out how to win a game. So, I'm going to take the Raiders. Bengals over the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to be on a slippery slope for the rest of the season. Just trust me on that. Panthers over the Giants. I like the Giants, but I think that the Panthers can actually edge edge this one out. Ravens over the Browns. I like the Browns. I do. But I don't think they have enough to go after the Ravens. Packers over the Lions. The Packers are playing better. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers was complaining about their offense, but I think this week their offense will match their defense and they'll beat the Lions. Jaguars over the Chiefs. This is my, this is also kind of an upset because the Chiefs are favored, but the Jaguars have a better defense. And although their offense isn't as good, I feel like that defense can kind of stifle Patrick Mahomes. 
Broncos over the Jets. I have to take the Broncos in this just because the Jets haven't shown me anything since like week one. Falcons over the Steelers. I like the Falcons. I like the way that they play. The Steelers can't get really any kind of good pass rush going, so I think Matty Ice is going to be able to pick off that team. Titans over the Bills. The Titans are playing as a complete unit, offense and defense. The Bills are not. Patriots over the Colts. That's clear. The Colts just don't have enough for the Patriots right now, so I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. Now, you guys can send in your picks to allgoodpointspodcast at gmail.com for a chance to get on the shout-out train, okay? Um, hit me up on Instagram, allgoodpointspodcast, or Ricky underscore Gray underscore Junior. I be, I'm going to be doing giveaways like crazy here pretty soon, so keep an eye out for that. You've been listening to All Good Points. Thank you so much. You guys stay wonderful, and have a wonderful, wonderful sports weekend. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.